All right, folks, it's 11 o'clock. We're going to start. The topic of this panel meeting is long-timers panel. My name is Laura, and I am one of the leaders for this meeting. The other leaders are Barbara and Chris. The format for this panel is for each of us to speak for 10 minutes, then we will answer questions from the Ask It basket. This session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or as a pat as a podcast feed in the future. Will someone, well, we know we have a timer. Thank you, Marlene. Um, So the leaders should tell where they're from, how long you've been in OA, and your length of abstinence. Speak to the topic. We would like to remind OA members who are in other 12-step fellowships to speak only to their personal recovery as an OA member. So for our first speaker, we have Barbara. My name is Barbara, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. I have been, uh, I stepped through the doors of Overeaters Anonymous 40 years ago and um, got there by someone handing me a pamphlet, the pamphlet, The 15 Questions. That was my first introduction to Overeaters Anonymous and any 12-step program. I knew nothing about a 12-step program. I have been abstinent for 38 years from sugar. Yes, and grateful, grateful one day at a time. Um, So how I got here, up to coming into program, my life was getting smaller and smaller. Um, At this point, um, I was avoiding many, most social situations. Um, My husband, uh, who was not a compulsive overeater, um, would, you know, he was in a, in a kind of a high position and get invited to a lot of things, and I just would make excuses. I would lie. What this disease had done to me was um, think I am worthless, um, lie, uh, hide, um, just take me to places where I never would want anyone to be. And above all, I felt all alone. Um, I had, you know, gone through decades of yo-yo dieting, each time thinking it was going to be the last time. I, I figured my stomach would be nice and shrunken. I wouldn't ever want to go back. And then that first bite would bring me back. So I was handed this pamphlet, and the only thing that they said to this person said to me was, um, I'll go to a meeting with you. You know, they didn't try to shake me and say, this is the program for you, you've got to do this, whatever. So I went to my first meeting in Reading, Massachusetts, north of Boston, and it was in a church basement, and there were probably 10 or 15 people in a circle, and... What I heard that night was um, hope. And it's interesting because when I hear just about everybody talk about their first meeting, that's just what I hear, that word, hope. For the first time in my life, people were talking like they knew me. You know, they knew what went on in my head. They knew what what went on in my heart. And... You know, I started going to my one meeting a week, and uh, because I was very busy, so it's you know, (laughs) one meeting a week. For the first year and a half, I worked this program just like a diet, and um, I picked up certain tools. I picked up a food plan, and because I was used to that, you know, kind of from way and pay programs I had gone to. And, um, you know, I started working the little diet, never made a phone call, I don't think. I had a sponsor once, um, and I'd love her to go away weekends so I wouldn't have to talk to her. But that was it for a year and a half, you know. Uh, That's how I worked my program. And uh, after the year and a half, I had lost just about all my weight. 
I decided the kids were going to be, you know, out of school soon, and they needed me more than I needed to get to my one meeting a week, so I stopped going to program. And I didn't want to see anyone, anyone. If I saw you across the hall or across the store or whatever, I would avoid you. I didn't want to have anything to do. I figured I could, I have the key now, the diet, that was it. So after a month, um, there was a little bit of slipping, a little bit of um, the dishonesty coming back into my mind that, uh, oh, I'll get back tomorrow, just have this one, you know, I'll get back. So um, after three months, I had gained 15 pounds, and that's not what brought me back to program. It was the hopelessness, the compulsion, the obsession, the self-hate, Everything was back in full force, so I came back to program 38 years ago. And I have been coming to program, and I have been, you know, abstinent ever since by the grace of God. And it is not me. It is not me doing it. It's this fellowship. It's my higher power. And what I learned um, from my very fir- that first meeting back, I got a sponsor. I um, won a raffle. You know, I mean, it was like the heavens were open. It was just like, you know, I couldn't believe it. And then my sponsor said, okay, how about you doing this program, um, food plan, and uh, there we go. And I felt scared to death. But that first day, I followed her food plan that she suggested, and she helped me practice with the tools she introduced the steps to me. She introduced this program and how it should work. And a higher power. And, you know, I have been uh, consistently doing almost the same routine. I go to three meetings a week. Um, I study and practice the steps. You know, that's where the answer is. This program, what changed in my life is everything. My attitude changed, my um, everything, because of the steps. And uh, that's where I learned how to live. That's where I learned how to um, heal relationships. That's where I learned how to ask for a find and ask a higher power to help me through every step that I'm going through. Um, this program has absolutely changed my life. Um, what I wish for every newcomer that walks in the door is to feel that hope and to just keep coming back. I heard that from Roseanne many, many years ago at a World Service event. She, what she said was, above all, just keep coming back. That's how I learn. That's how I, you know, um, to say that I've been here 40 years I still feel like a newcomer. You know, I'm still learning. Um, I'm still growing. I still make mistakes. I still, you know, um, come up short. But there's hope every day. You know, again, one of the other things I heard at my first meeting was um, one day at a time. You know, that was a totally new concept for me. You know, I lived... And, and I still have the potential to live in like a fantasy, like magical thinking, my, uh, my, one of my sponsees calls it. And, you know, today I don't have to do that. Um, this program, again, has saved my life. And there are miracles in this program. And I want to be part of it, to have this attitude and to have the tools that can help me through any life situation with the acceptance, with the gratitude, with the, you know, just everything um, that this program has given me. You know, I can't, I can't thank uh, this program and my higher power enough. And again, I am still, still learning. Um, I would love to kind of end in the Voices of Recovery for October 21st. It talks about our experiences are the gifts to the newcomer and a reminder of how far we've come. I keep coming back because people are there for me when I need them most. It is a privilege to help keep the doors open and the lights on. Someone like I used to be is bound to walk in one day. 
needing to hear, I never have to hurt like this again. Thank you. Wow. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris, recovered uh, compulsive overeater. And here's how my higher power works. This morning I said, oh, geez, I can get really puffed up because I'm going on this panel. You know, it was a long timer. So I prayed for humility and humor. So I get up here, and it turns out I've been in the program the longest time compared to these two, but I have the shortest length of abstinence. (laughs) So God says, I'm not done with you, Chris. Um, My numbers. I came into this fellowship in the spring of 1974, 44 years ago. My current length of abstinence is 18 years. So uh, I didn't surrender easily. (laughs) I had some very long periods of abstinence. I had some short periods of abstinence. I think the longest was 11 years. Um, And then I thought I had it all together. You know, it's like the Alcoholics Anonymous big book says. Um, By the way, I've kept off 90 pounds. So that is an amazing gift that I had nothing to do, didn't deserve, didn't earn. It was a complete act of grace on the, on the part of my higher power. Anyway, um, the, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and our own program literature warns us, you know, that complacency and thinking we have it all together. If you think you've got it all together, you're in a bad neighborhood and get out quick. So anyway, after that 11-year thing, uh, that thing that I call, you know, staying abstinent based on fear and fellowship and ego and being thin and blah, 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 you know, um, I picked up and then I got abstinent again and, and I picked up and then I got abstinent again. And then in the year 2000, I got a job that was the job. You know, I got a big fancy title, I got an office, I got a staff, I got stock options, I got a big salary, and I got a friggin' big head. And I hated everything about the job, I hated the people that I worked with, and I was stressed all the time. And what did I do? My solution, the only solution that I knew, because I was not recovered, because I hadn't really worked the steps, I had just talked about them a lot, my solution was to eat, you know, and that was the only way I could, that was the only way that this pea brain could think of to get out of that job, you know, so I ate, and then I was a mess, and I had to go get some help again, outside help, and then I came back in the year 2000, and I was absent again, I was weighing and measuring, don't eat sugar and flour, that's how I do my food, um, but after a couple of years of abstinence, I said, what's going to stop it from happening again? You know, what's going to stop me from eating ice cream in my car with my fingers in January? You know, I am a binge-eating person. I don't throw it up. I don't poop it out. I eat it. I keep it, you know, and I wear it. So, and the, I mean, I could eat anybody under the table, you know. Okay, I got some good challengers here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I ate enormous quantities. You know, I, you know, I'm a self-abusive person, so I used to keep track of how many calories. And there were a couple of times when it was 10,000, 15,000 calories. Not a big deal for me. Where was I? Anyway, came back into the year 2000, got my abstinence again by the grace of God. But I felt really flat, and I was scared all the time because my history had been I'm going to lose it again. And I never knew when that was going to happen. It was like the sword of Damocles over my head. So I got a person in this fellowship who said, you know what you haven't really done is you haven't really worked the steps. Yeah, you've led AWOLs. Yeah, you've, you know, done umpty-ump questions. But you haven't really worked them. You haven't really done a thorough inventory. You know, you've only thought you've done one. And most of my inventories up to that point, because I had done three or four, were all about what a bad person I was. It wasn't about where am I selfish, self-seeking, um, dishonest, and afraid. So I did it with under her direction, because she was an abstinent person in OA who had let go of fear 
And I said, I've got this fear of eating again. So she took me through the steps. Now, you never should go through the steps by yourself. Because you're going to convince yourself, like I did, that you got it all together and you're doing them the, the right way. There's no really right way. But anyway, she guided me in a way that was so loving. And she got me to the truth, which is what I needed. The truth being that I'm a beautiful child of God. That the only thing between me and recovery was me. And I had to stop being self-centered. And I had to stop being selfish because I didn't even know I was selfish. You know, I was selfish because I'm going to do everything for you. And then you're going to love me. You know, and I'm going to get my ego puffed up, and that's what my ego wants, is to be puffed up. Please, save me from that, God. So anyway, I got myself out of the way, and I got abstinent, and the fear just disappeared. I am not afraid of, e- of relapse anymore, it, which doesn't mean that I don't have thoughts every now and then, um, because I love what Barbara said about, you know, I'm a newcomer every day. Every day I am just as vulnerable as the next person. I am just as vulnerable, and that's because, you know, I have to work these steps every day. I have to do my 10 steps every day. I have to do my prayer and meditation. And I absolutely not just have to work with others. I want to work with others because that's where the payoff is. You know, it's really fun to be a normal weight and to have clothes actually wear out. What was that? I never experienced that. You know, how could you, you know, every, every uh, season it was like, can I get into those shorts this year? You know, I, oh God, I could regale you with stories about my binges. And one of the things that used to happen is when I was a teenager and I was in my disease, you know, I would work at a, at a, um, a, a summer resort. I was a chambermaid. So I start the season with this white uniform, you know, that fits well. You know, I was, by the end of the season, it was creeping up the hips and it, was, it wouldn't fit because I would gain so much weight every summer, every summer. You know, it was like eat the free food at the resort and then go out for ice cream and whatever in my off time. It was just horrible. Anyway, um, I, don't, I keep losing my place, but that's okay. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, like I say, uh, a heavy, heavy binger. So now the payoff is not just that I'm not eating and I have a normal-sized body, which I very often think is still fat. You know, the fat in my ears is the last, last to go. Um, the real payoff is when you work with someone and you pass it on. And you see the light come on in someone else's eyes. And you see them finding out that they don't have to abuse themselves with food anymore. And that food is not the solution. And even the fellowship is not the solution. The solution, you know, as we know it, is finding that relationship with something. I don't care what you call it. You can call it Allah. You can call it God. You can call it Jesus. You can call it whatever Finding that relationship, which will then solve all your problems, not just the food. Wow. There's a speaker that I love a lot. He talks about, you know, we so often settle. We so often settle, you know. So if you're abstinent and you've lost your weight and you feel like you're still sort of flat, work with someone else. Pass it on. Because that joy is in the heart. You know, it's in the heart. Um, and it's an amazing thing. And I've seen, I've seen people lose 150 pounds. I've seen people lose five pounds. And I've seen them just blossom and become useful human beings. You know, it's amazing that, that I have a purpose in life. And this is it. You know, I'm 66 years old. I'm retired. I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? God answers, you're going to help other food addicts, kiddo. You know, you're not going to be a vice president of a corporation. You're not going to be, you know, Hillary Clinton or whatever. You're just going to be another bozo on the bus. You know, and I need to remember that every day, that I'm another bozo on the bus, regardless of the, of the length of abstinence. So if you've been abstinent, as long as you've been in this room, we're equal. Thank you very much.
Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Laura, and I'm a recovering compulsive O-reader, under-reader. <sighs> My heart is pounding. Can you hear it? <laughs> so I came into this program uh, March of next year. will be 30 years. I started when I was two. <laughs> okay, truthfully, I started when I was 10. And uh, I have aged in this program, but that was the other topic. Um, I came in because I could not stop eating. I was not morbidly obese or anywhere near super overweight, but actually, truth be told, I was actually on the way up the scale. And I came in, and I didn't know whether I belonged because, of course, everyone around me was talking about all this big weight losses, and I was like, well, how do I fit in? And there was one woman in the program who said, she goes, there are five things that you have to do in this program, and I was waiting with bated breath, like five things, oh my gosh, I have to pay attention, this sounds important. So she said, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back, and keep coming back. And she said that every week, and every week I thought she was going to say something different, like this is going to be really meaningful, and there she was, and she said the same thing, and I, after a while I was like, all right, already, geez. But I did, you know, I listened because either I was a people pleaser or because I really knew there was something there, I identified with feelings expressed, whatever. Thank God I did. My history is that I tend to undereat like in college to the point where I was like ready to fall out and my then boyfriend said to me, oh, you look really good. I go, thank you. I'm ready to pass out because I'm not eating enough. Binging in college as well and all kinds of craziness in my family. You know, we ate fast, fast, fast because I came from an alcoholic family with mental illness and, you know, that whole nine yards. I was never a dieter. I kind of intuitively knew that I couldn't do it. I thought about it. I thought I probably should diet, but I never did. I was like, okay, maybe after Thanksgiving, I'll just run around the block a little bit or something. But I just, like, I kind of knew that there was no way. And by the end of my disease, I was Hiding in the back at my second job, you know, eating these foods that were for the guests. And, you know, hiding behind, like if there was a building, it was the side of the building, literally almost in an alley in shadows, eating binge foods. And binging in my apartment, in a basement apartment by myself. And, you know, you know the whole story. And thank God, you know, my coworker 12-stepped me. And basically, I was standing around eating kinds of stuff from this jar. And she said... It was like the voice of God. She said, does it sedate you? And I said, well, I don't know. I had been in all this therapy, so I knew that I ate when I was anxious. So she said, come to my office, and that's how I got to OA, and she became my first sponsor. So fast forward to um, being a long-timer. Like, people were talking about um, this program really is just a day at a time. It doesn't matter how many 24s I have. I really have to just keep it in the day. I mean... Thank God, I'm grateful it's not day one for me, honestly. But it really is a day at a time because if I get into that arrogance and that you know, mindset of, oh, boy, i got this many years and I've really got it licked, that's, no pun intended, that's when I actually start stumbling and then I start like, oh, what's going on with my food kind of thing. So my current abstinence, God willing, in November, the end of November, freedom from middle of the night eating 25 years, uh, I was in graduate school, and I was getting up in the middle of the night eating breakfast foods, and so I don't do that anymore, thank you, God, even though when you get up early to go to the airport, you're like, should I have my breakfast before I leave or not? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. But, um, you know, the funny thing about it is that uh, I go to this one group, and uh, I bought coins for the group, you know, as a service, because the group is kind of struggling with the finances, and I was like, should I buy myself a coin? Should I not buy myself a coin? Is that arrogant or is that confident? What is that? And I bought myself the coin. So I'm going to let them give it to me whenever. And, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, no guarantees. But I feel like there's just no reason for me to eat in the middle of the night, period. There isn't. That doesn't matter if the sky falls, if my house falls down, if it goes up in flames or whatever. There's no excuse for me to eat in the middle of the night. There's no excuse for me to eat sugar. I've been off of sugar a long time, very long time. There's a debate about in my mind whether it was the whole time or because I got some time confusion going on here. But either way, probably at least, God bless you, see, it's the truth, um, at least 
28 years off of sugar. You know, people look at me when I say that. Like, I said that the other day at this, like, normal meeting. And uh, not a OA meeting. or some kind of meeting I went to. And it, you could hear the gasp. They're like, <gasps> you know, like the audible gasp. And I thought, wow, I guess this is pretty a big deal. But I'm, I, it was like people have said, it was all my higher power. It wasn't me. Although I will tell you, I had to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Even with the food during the middle of the night, the breakfast foods, I mean, I was coping with life. I was doing what I thought was right. I was going to meetings. I was sponsoring. Apparently, I wasn't working the steps enough, but if you had asked me, I was working the steps. Anyway, so, and then, you know, finally, I, it, it got so bad that I just got sick and tired of waking up feeling drunk from food. And so I was able to commit to my sponsor. I would not eat by a certain time in the morning, and that's how I was able to do it. And I, always, I heard this guy say that he would just get down on his knees every night, and that's how he abstained from his substance. And it was like the light bulb went off in my head. Oh, that's what I need to do. And thank you, God, imperfectly for 25 years almost, I've been getting down on my knees every night. Sometimes it's a half a knee, sometimes it's two knees. My knees are not as good as they were 20, 30 years ago almost, but, but I get down on my knees, you know, and I, even if it's like, hey, hey, God, what's up? You know, sometimes I'm down there a long time, I'm praying, I'm praying for the people I said I pray for, whatever, and it's good. It's a good thing. Sometimes if I forget, I'll get out of bed, I'll get down on my knees. You know, sometimes I say, okay, God, you know that where my heart is, where my intention is, and you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I do a daily gratitude list. I do work the steps. I do a lot of service. I've been a, you know, a board member in the past of the region. I'm very proud of that service. I was on certain committees that we shall not name because you're not supposed to tell you're on those committees. And I was, you know, able to contribute. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's about service. Like people were talking about serving others. You know, it's the steps, the traditions, the concepts of service. If I don't do the traditions, like, you know, they used to say, the steps save me from myself and the traditions save you from me. And that's the God's honest truth because I'm a control freak. I can be judgmental. I can be arrogant. But you know what? I'm way better than I was almost 30 years ago. I have a husband now. That's a challenge, but... You know, I I'm, I just retired. It's almost a year I've been retired, early retirement. God bless. Thank you, God. I didn't kill anybody at my job. Nobody killed me, so that was good. And, uh, you know, we just bought a condo in Florida on Tuesday. We just closed on a condo in Florida, which was like a whole six-month process. Like, we must have had six different places, you know, before we finally settled in this place. And it, I just... I just kept going back to my higher power. I journal, I read, I call my sponsor every day now. That was kind of new because I had some trouble getting sponsors and things not working out. And I've been sponsored like most of the time of the program, but the sponsor, one of the trips to Florida to get the condo, I didn't get the condo, but I got the sponsor. I was like, okay, God, that's cool. That'll work for me. So I call her every day and I read her my Voices of Recovery uh, assignment, which is challenging because, oh my God, I so want to look good on those assignments, but I don't. And she even said to me today, and I'm just, I bless, I just bless God for this. This was, She said, you know, you should really send some of those writings to world service. She said, you're really very good. And I was like, I was so humbled. I was so honored that she said that. And the truth is, it's because of all the writing I've done in a way. I write a Dear God letter. I meditate for a half an hour every day. Sometimes my husband interrupts me. Thank you. I got a minute. I got to hurry up. <laughs> and, you know, it's about, it's, not, it's about progress, not perfection. Because, of course, my rigidity is like, what do you mean? I have to, do, you know, I got my hand on my hip for those who are on the recording who can't see. What do you mean that I didn't do my 30 minutes, you know? I'll do 25. That's good. That's, that's very good. Like, it's okay. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to abuse myself with food, and I don't have to abuse myself with this program. This program is a loving, gentle program with firmness about certain things. Like, I don't eat sugar no matter what, and there are certain foods that I don't eat no matter what, those binge foods. But ultimately, it's also a loving program. I'm not here to use it to hurt myself with. And that's, not, that's my disease, the perfectionism, the whatever. So I'll just stop, with saying, stop by saying that I'm very glad to see this room is packed. 
and I'm glad you're all here. I'm making some new friends, you know, some people we just connected with spontaneously, and I feel like my time is up. Thank you. We need a, a hands-free mic, but that's okay. For next year, we'll remember. Okay, so we're going to read some questions, and our, our people are going to answer them. Do you make mistakes? If so, do you go back to day one? You want to? Okay. You're going to answer that? Okay. Why don't you guys stand up so we can rotate in and out of this? Yeah, so we can speak. Exactly. I make mistakes every day. You know, um, I don't know if that means do I make mistakes with my food. Um, I make a lot of mistakes in terms of um, how I treat people. You know, I can be really cranky pants, uh, especially with my wife. You know, she doesn't fold the towels the way I want her to. So um, do I make mistakes with my food? Do I go back to, st- to day one? Um, Yes, I make mistakes with my food. Uh, I am not perfect. There are times when the scale, either I don't use it because I don't want to and I'm in a rebellious mood and I just sort of put it in the bowl. There are times when there's an extra mini carrot and I don't want to have a mini carrot left over. I don't like leftovers. So I add add it to my plate. There are times when I cook a bag of vegetables that says 12 ounces, and I know damn well it's not 12 ounces, you know, but, uh, and I'm supposed to eat 12 ounces, but I will eat what the bag offers. Uh, I don't go back to day one. When I was working a program where I was required to go back to day one if I did something like that, it never worked. Perfectionism, rigidity doesn't work, rigorousness does. How do you keep complacency at bay? Um, Talk to a newcomer. It's the one thing that I learned a long time ago that, um, and gratefully my program keeps getting charged and recharged because of the people I see, the people I hear, um, the fact that I do service, but... um, you know, every once in a while it will be like, and not too often, but every once in a while it'll be, do I really have to do this? Or, you know, am I above this? Do I really have to? And I got the best advice from someone, and it, it's funny. I I was in one of these places once, and um, I did a poll I went to everyone who I respected and just loved at um, different meetings and everything. And most of them said, go talk to a newcomer. It'll bring you right back to the beginning to where you need to be. Thanks. I guess I wanted to say something quickly about that. I agree with what was said by Barbara for myself. Um, I go to extra meetings if necessary. When I relapsed, I went. I was too lazy to do 90 and 90, but I did 30 meetings in 30 days, or I did 27 and 30, and that was the best that I really felt. It was so terrific. So extra meetings always helps. And just, you know, usually God will give me a sign if things are, if I'm getting a little complacent, if I'm too resentful, if I'm too angry, if I'm blaming my husband for everything under the sun, then it means I probably need a meeting or I need to take a nap or something like that. But I just, I do not want to go back to the hell of that eating. I don't. That's it for me. Thanks. Next question. What OA literature have you found helpful over the years? All of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's so many different pieces of literature. I mean, I one day we in my group, we I picked a book out, or I mean a pamphlet, um, I don't know if it was the questions and answers or is food a problem for you. Like, there's so many things that are so helpful. I mean, the big book is terrific. 
you know, the the new OA 12 and 12. I mean, some of that older literature, like those pamphlets, like Welcome Back, you know, the, the simple things, the simple wisdom of Lifeline. I mean, there's just, you know, I just feel like sometimes God gets your attention for certain things and brings you to a piece of literature, you know, that you might need if you just, and sometimes you just pick it up. Like the other day in my group, we opened up the big book, and I said, okay, here's where we're going to read because I had led the meeting. And it was about acceptance. It was about acceptance is the answer. So we read that story, and I thought, well, amen to that, God. Thank you. I'm going to um, cede my time and say, I'm going to read the question, and then if someone in the audience would like to come up and answer it, because we're not the experts. We are not the experts. All right, the question is, any experience you've had with long-time, long-time plateaus, changed, changed food plans, seen doctors, any other ideas? So how do you deal with a plateau? There's a hand in the back. I've been in OA for uh, 32 years and um, just very grateful. And um, how I, there was a time I was on a plateau, um, weight kind of creeping on, still doing it, had a sponsor, called her, she wasn't always there, I didn't always connect with her, right? You guys know that story, right? What happens. And so I'll get a new food plan. Go to a nutritionist. I'm going to try this. Pick up a, a book for a food plan. Nothing's gelling, you know. And my sponsor, I check in with her. Yeah, give that a try. And then I got some uh, uh, sage advice from my brothers in the program. He And he didn't say it directly to me, but he said, you know, whenever I'm having a hard time, I just go to more meetings. And I'm like, yeah, because I'd been going to one meeting a week, and it was kind of small, and it meant me having to get up early to get to a second meeting. So I go to a second meeting, and I go to a good one, uh, um, the best meeting. Someone talked about their best meeting, Newton Wellesley, 715, Saturday morning. Takes me 40 minutes to get there. I don't care. But anyway, I go to the meeting, and then I start hearing good stuff. And then um, somebody, um, I, I think I need a new sponsor, you know. So, you know, I get up. It's hard when you've been in a long time. You think, oh, I need somebody with more time than me. Well, you know, there's not that. I mean, there are people with more time, but there's not that many. Baloney. I just need someone who's abstinent. So then, you know, I'm sitting there a month or two, I get a new sponsor. Thank you. Pretty soon after that, let's look at your food plan. Let's make a few tweaks in your food plan. A few weeks after that, you know, a few months, geez, maybe I should go to a step meeting. So I do an AWOL. Now I'm going to three meetings a week. I got a new sponsor. I got a new food plan. I'm sponsoring somebody new because I'm going to a bigger meeting. I made tiny changes in my food, tiny Tiny, if any. And then six months later, it goes by, and 30 pounds have come off my body. Yeah. You know, like, it's not rocket science. If you're on a plateau, for me, just go to more meetings. You know, like, work the tools, work the steps. It's, there's nothing new under the sun here, um, which I'm very grateful for. So. What tool do you use consistently and find really sustaining? One of my favorite tools, uh, and this wasn't at the beginning, is telephone. 
And it's interesting because most of the meetings I go to when they do the, you know, the tools, who wants to speak on the tools, and they come to the telephone and no hands are getting raised. And they start off by saying, well, it's one of the tools I should use, but I really don't and whatever. I love this tool. And I love this tool since it expanded into the electronic, you know, area um, where it's not just picking up the phone and there's nothing like picking up the phone and hearing the voice, hearing my sponsor, uh, talking to a sponsee, you know, at 630. But um, with this new, you know, widened area, broadened horizon of the tool of telephone, um, I have more connections now with um, people with not only outreach calls, which I still do, uh, and but I have a sponsee in London. I have a sponsee in New Zealand that I Skype with once a, once a, uh, a week, but email um, every day. I mean, it works to keep this connection. This disease wants me alone. It wants me isolated. And this is the one tool, well, they're, they're all absolutely wonderful, but this particular tool, you know, in between my meetings um, just really, really works. Thanks. I got a good one. Somebody knew, somebody knew my story. The question is, I've been in OA 15 years, and although I had abstinence, I've had many relapses. I still struggle at times and feel like I don't deserve to let go of the weight. Boy, is that, my, is that a tune that I relate to. Um, all, I can do, all I can say to that is to repeat um, what was said earlier about keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. When I was early in this fellowship, I was living in, in Bangor, Maine, and there were like five of us trying to start a meeting, and nobody was abstinent. And I got so frustrated, I dropped out for a couple of weeks, and I got a phone call from somebody in that five-some or six-some, and she said, I miss you. And, we're having, and it's Tuesday, our meeting is tonight, come back. And that little act of love brought me back to this day. So whoever you are, you are worth it. If a loser like me, and I don't mean weight loser, you know, somebody like me who fought for years and years and years and years and kept picking up and kept picking up, if I can make it, my God, so can you. And you, regardless of your weight, regardless of how many relapses, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down. What matters is how many times you get up. So just keep coming back. We love you. Does your disease ever creep up in parentheses ego and say, oh, yeah, you got this, because you've been abstinent over 10 years? Every day? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, recovery really is a process for me. It's not an event. And the disease is always lurking. Like, even coming to this convention, I was like, there's so many reactions I was having. And I thought, okay, Laura, what are you going to do? You go to the journal. You go to the Dear God letter. You go to the, you know, the books. You know, and I went to, and I went to sleep also. That helped. And, and now I feel better. I mean, and what was it about? It was about my disease of compare and despair and, you know, everybody else does this, and I don't do that, so I feel like the outsider, and, you know, all this insanity, basically. So it doesn't matter where I am. My disease is always lurking. But thank God, you know, when I do what other people talked about, like focus on somebody else, ask them how they are. It's not all about me. Oh, what a shock. <laughs> I mean, really, I need to get outside of myself. That's exactly what the big book talks about, strenuous work with others and focus on asking somebody how they are. But, you know, I also have to care for myself first because this is a selfish program. 
But ultimately, if I stay in focused on self, it's not going to be helpful. And then I'm going to just be not, like they say, useful to others. So um, it's a very gray area sometimes with this program, trying to know when is the time to pull back. And like I said, no to service, which I almost never do because my service is on the dance floor. So I said no to leading a meeting, and I felt kind of bad about it. But you know what? Somebody I know who knows me on the dance floor said, yeah, that's okay. So and I need support from other people, too. I don't make these decisions by myself if I have to tenth step it to other, with other people. Just share it out loud. Just Once it's outside of my head, thank God, it's usually much better and more easily solved. Next question, when did you begin to think of yourself as a long-timer? I still don't. I still don't, you know. Um, And I don't want to be perceived necessarily as a long-timer because that kind of sets you up, you know, and makes you sound like you're you know, all-knowing and all-whatever. You know, I um, I am so grateful this is a one-day-at-a-time program, you know, and we don't have any stars of VIPs. So, um, no, I don't want to be necessarily labeled as a long-timer. Thanks. I'm going to throw this one out to the audience again, if you don't mind being taped. Somebody can come up and answer this one. What was the final turning point for you to work the OA program? You got it. My name is Madge. I'm a compulsive reader from uh, Westchester. Thank you all. Uh, fine, um, I um, have a similar story. I've been in since, uh, since uh, 1974. And got my uh, abstinence in 82, so I've been abstinent for 36 years. But, thank you. But um, the final thing for me is I didn't take it seriously. I abhorred the idea that my disease or whatever I was doing with food was compared to alcoholism. So I had a closed mind about the program that is really an AA program. But uh, it didn't stay where I thought it would stay. I, I came in... 20 pounds heavier, I gained another 20 pounds. So the food got worse. My depression, which I never thought I was a depressed person, got worse. My life got smaller, as you say. I stopped taking risks. Um, My life just started looking like a dysfunctional, um, I don't know what. And... For me, it was my spiritual crisis, and uh, I, don't, I, I had a dra- dramatic experience. I had a, um, in my lowest point, I would say, and this is why I encourage people, if they feel like they want to die, that is the best time for God to work with you, because up until then, you're full of ego, or I don't need you, or you're, you're not me, and you don't understand, but when you're at your lowest, you have nothing to lose, and then God just swoops in. I can't, I'll never, it's the, honestly the most unbelievable thing that has ever happened to me. And um, through a series of coincidences, haha, uh, I was face to face with someone who uh, challenged me about my, my um, depression, about my body, about, you know, how I saw myself, saw life. I mean, it was almost like a, you know, an autopsy. Thank you. And um, there and then, where I was as true as I could possibly be, I told the truth. And from there, I got the grace that many people talk about um, because I kept coming back, coming back, coming back after seven years. And I had a rearrangement of my head, my soul, my body. Everything changed. And I did not need to pick up stuff that was going to kill me for the last 37 years. So my message is, if you're depressed, yay, but just... (laughs) Don't go away. Just hang out. Thank you. And the last question is how to get past the fear of being honest with your sponsor about your food. 
who would like to come up and do that right here. Hi, I'm Barbie. I'm from Marion, Massachusetts. And I'm a newcomer. I only have 27 years. Uh, and, and I like the idea that we're all newcomers. Um, I, uh, what was the question? I had a perfect answer for it. Oh, the fear of being honest. Um, I, had a, I had a relapse after about seven years in program. And I didn't recognize it at first, and I pretended I didn't, and I didn't talk about it. And then one day, I realized if I wanted to recover, I was going to become honest with my group and stop sharing. And I did that. And, um, and then I still, I still wasn't abstinent. I went to a meeting, and at that meeting, there were a lot of people who had had relapses and were abstinent. And so I thought... Oh, my God, if God will do it for them, God will do it for me. And the next day, I was abstinent, and I redesigned my food plan, and it is three meals a day, nothing in between most of the time, and honesty with my sponsor. And I tell her every time that my food isn't three meals a day, I tell her what went on, and I also tell her if I've eaten something a little tricky that I really shouldn't be eating, I describe not only that I ate it, but how much I ate. And I've been abstinent since then. Thank you. 20 years. Okay, so we have about nine minutes left, so we have time for three three-minute chairs, or like three, two three-minute chairs and one two-minute chair. Okay, this lady had her hand up. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's okay. Come on up. That, this lady, that lady. Yeah, okay, and that's it. We will, um, yeah, sign afterwards. Okay. Sorry. Hi, I'm Tina. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I am filled with sacred awe. Uh, and if you look, that phrase is in Voices of Recovery. It's also in um, For Today. Um, class of 1989. <laughs> My first convention was 1992, and I've been coming almost ever since. I always went to the long-timer meetings, even when I was two, three, whatever years. I've been in, I'm a kid, 29 years. Um, I always went because I wanted to be like them. And it was just so much strength, hope, and recovery. And I'm here today. I'm a long-timer. And there's so much strength, hope, and recovery. I want to be like you guys. This is the best meeting I could have come to. And I am almost in tears. Um, We'll try not to do that. I don't do that in front of people. But I am so filled with sacred awe. Because Lausanne started it, you know, almost 60 years ago. My sponsor said to me, above all else, you just keep coming back. My sponsor said to me, are you, what are you willing to do just for today? Don't worry about Thanksgiving. And I've never left, thank you, God. Did not get abstinent my first day. June 16th, 1989, my recovery started because that's when my higher power brought me to this program and I still want to be a newcomer, and this has just rejuvenated me. This is what I needed. Thank you all. Hi, I'll talk fast. My name is Reggie from New York. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater, and I'm a grateful dinosaur. That's what I am. 1977, and uh, I have not been abstinent anywhere near that. I've been going up and down and up and down, but I never left. That's all. I, I, I never left. I remember eating a pizza pie before my brother got married. The night, I mean, I never left. Um, five years ago, I uh, had a surgery, and uh, I didn't tell anyone in a way because I was really embarrassed that it was the easiest, softer way. But for me, it was the right thing for me. But What I've seen is that it's still about meetings. It's still about calling people. It's still still about writing. It's still about like, okay, God, please help me not eat that. And I go, like, that's God. That's God. So, um, 
And it was a newcomer who came in and said, oh, I had surgery. And I said, look at this, three months, she has more chutzpah than I do. So um, I'm j- there's no going back. There's no, there's no not coming here. Uh, a newcomer said to me, I'm not coming back anymore. I don't know, too many depressing meetings. I don't know, I don't like these people. You're the only one. I said, listen, if you leave, you don't have hope. At least if I stay, I have hope. And I met my sponsor at a meeting for people that had surgery. So it was amazing. So just, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just glad I'm here. I do want to put out that sometimes I come to conventions and then I don't take anybody's number. And I don't want to parallel play with you. I really want to engage with people. So I'm just putting it out there. So have a great convention, and so will I. Thanks. We have time for another speaker who's our, oh, come on up. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie. I'm a food addict from Key, New Hampshire. Um, I've only been in the program a little less than two years, um, but I really wanted to come to this meeting because um, because I think one of the biggest fears that I have being a newcomer is how do I sustain this for the rest of my life? I'm 31 years old, and I was so lucky to find this program when I did. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that it saved my life. Um, But one thing that my first sponsor said to me when I kept telling her, what happens if I relapse? What happens if I relapse? She told me, think of it like your life is a journey. You're on a road trip. You're going from Boston, Massachusetts, all the way down to Daytona Beach, Florida. And if you break down in your car in Washington, D.C., do you start back over in Boston? No. You're, you're still in Washington, D.C. You just get back in the car. You get it fixed, and you keep moving forward. And I think that was the most powerful thing for me to hear is just simply resume. No matter what happens, no matter where you are in your journey, you just have to keep moving forward. And I know now having 18 months of back-to-back abstinence that... Um, that this is a short amount of time, <laughs> and I'm just so grateful to have it, and I know that I don't want to take it for granted, so thanks for listening. Okay, we have time for another one, but a two-minute share. Okay, come on up. Hi, I'm Marcy, compulsive overeater. Hi. Came to program in 1977. Took me a year of struggling to realize I needed everything besides just going to meetings, and that made the difference. What I just wanted to say quickly, because we have some young folks here, and I had an issue in my abstinence that doesn't come up often. I lost too much weight. I lost it abstinently, um, but I lost it on a very restrictive food plan, and I was terrified. I didn't know what to do, didn't know what to do. Sponsor worked with me, and we dealt with it abstinently. And then I found out um, uh, when I was uh, in my late 30s, and uh, well, in my 30s, and was married... Um, and wanted to have a child, that I had issues. Because even though it was a good weight, it wasn't the right weight for me. And again, I had to learn how to gain weight abstinently. And, And now I've stayed at that weight because that's the healthy weight for me. And I just put it out there that should this ever happen... It might. There are ways to do this abstinently in our program for our health, and um, it's it's made all the difference for me. So, um, of course, everything else has really made the difference. I'll just put that in. But but there's a way to handle everything in this program. So, thanks. Okay, everybody. This is, uh, our time is up. 
Uh, please be sure to sign the release form of the speaker table if you haven't done so. Leave the form and format on the table. Sorry, that's instructions to us. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. Thank you, Barbara and Chris, for speaking. We'll now close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back.